Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. The Democrats pretend that they're all for fair and open elections. That they accept the results of elections. The Democrats are crooked, they are corrupt, and they are cheats. That's the way the Democrat Party has been since its founding. Crooked, corrupt, cheats. Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy, just to name two. But let's talk about now. Let's talk about now. They spend millions and millions of dollars interfering in the Republican primaries to try and nominate individuals they think they can beat. I don't think they'll beat them, but that's not my point. Their goal is to try to nominate the Republicans that they claim to want, right? The Democrats don't have to fear that from the Republicans. The Democrat Party has a hitman, a slip and fall ambulance chasing lawyer, in my humble opinion, by the name of Mark Elias, who organizes scores and scores of litigators in various localities and states to go to court to change the election laws to improve the chances for the Democrat Party. And they're very careful about the kinds of cases they bring and where they bring them. And that was a problem in 2020 as well. The Democrats. The biggest dirty trick in electoral history was Russia collusion, the Russian dossier. And of course, none of that is talked about as election interference or anything of the kind, right? 
And yet that's exactly what it was. And they had the benefit, of course, of the FBI, the intelligence agencies, and the media. The Democrats denied that they lost the race for governor in Georgia. The Democrats denied that they lost the presidential race in 2000, 2004, and 2016. The Democrats are at war with the Electoral College. The Democrats do not want voter registration enforced, that is, the voting rolls. They do not want voter ID. And they've come up with one cockamamie scheme after another, put it in a bill called H.R. 1 some time ago to try and forever change our election laws to ensure that they never lose an election. They want to add two more states to the Senate. So they have four new Democrats and, again, can never be in the minority. And they talk about the Republicans and they talk about MAGA and they talk about conservatives not accepting the election process, not accepting the results. And the Democrats, they never stop. There's a story in the Washington Examiner by Byron York, chief political correspondent. We've touched on this before, but it's very important. The Democrat Party under Biden is now using the government and including the Department of Justice to try and influence the outcome of the next election. Joe Biden's secret voter plan is the title. I don't think they can dismiss Byron York as a uh, Yahoo. He said it was terribly big news in March 7, 2021. President Joe Biden, then less than two months in office, signed an executive order, quote, promoting voting rights, unquote, in the words of the Washington Post, to, quote, make voting easier, unquote, in the words of the New York Times. Both papers played the story as a modest Democratic measure to push back against Republican efforts to roll back voting access, as the Washington Post put it and to counter former President Trump's months-long assault on the voting process, as the New York Times said. Executive Order 14019 directed what is known as an all-government initiative, meaning Biden ordered all federal agencies and departments to be involved to increase voter registration among groups that have been historically part of the Democratic coalition. Quote, black voters and other voters of color have faced discriminatory policies and other obstacles that disproportionately affect their communities, the order said. Now, this is odd, first and foremost. Since most minority communities are run by minorities, not all, but most. The city councils and the mayors and so forth. These voters remain more likely to face long lines at the polls and are disproportionately burdened by voter identification laws and limited opportunities to vote by mail. Now, it was standard Democratic boilerplate, mostly false. Democrats have long pushed the voter suppression story, even as data showed it was a myth. But March 2021 was the month in which the Georgia legislature, controlled by Republicans, was debating a new voting law, and Biden and other Democrats were making hysterical, over-the-top pronouncements about Jim Crow 2.0. 
maybe they believed it. Maybe they didn't. The goal was to pass two bills that were at the top of the Democratic agenda in Washington. The so-called Freedom to Vote Act and the so-called John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Together, the bills, if passed and signed into law, would have nationalized elections and remake voting laws on terms favorable to the Democratic Party. But Democrats, barely in control of the Senate, could not pass such a baldly partisan bill without some Republican support, and there was none. So the executive order would have to do to send home the message of voting rights and to give press coverage a historical civil rights setting. Biden rolled out the order on the anniversary a Bloody Sunday in a taped message to be played at the Martin and Coretta Scott King, <coughs> excuse me, Unity Breakfast in Selma, Alabama. But the order itself, according to the media coverage, didn't do much. The New York Times said the executive order is pretty limited in scope, reported CNN, actually. The executive order is relatively limited in scope, said the New York Times. It calls upon officials at federal agencies to study and potentially expand access to voter registration materials, especially those with disabilities, incarcerated people, and other historically underserved groups. It also orders a modernization the federally run vote.gov website to ensure that provides most up-to-date information about voting in elections. But the order does not directly address efforts by many Republican-led state legislatures to restrict voting, including measures that would roll back the mail voting established in many states during the pandemic. Now that is a quote from the New York Times. It all sounded like a partisan but relatively weak move. But there were still questions. Did we know the whole story? What would Executive Order 14019 actually do? Yes, the order was filled with platitudes, but what concrete actions would result? Republicans had reason to be suspicious, in part because the voting measure fit into a pattern. Democrats, frustrated by their inability to pass top priorities in Congress, turned to executive authority to do as much as they could without the bothersome process of legislating. Biden's executive order directed the heads of all federal agencies to send the White House, quote, a strategic plan outlining the ways identified under this review that the agency can promote voter registration and voter participation. That could mean anything, especially when one considers it would be devised and enforced by Democrats angry that they were not able to win the passage of their voting scheme on Capitol Hill. The public needed to know what was going on. After all, there's no public concern more important than the issue of elections and voting. On July 30, 2021, a little over two months ago, actually a little, about six weeks ago, a conservative but nonpartisan think tank called the Foundation for Government Accountability sent a FOIA request to the Justice Department asking for documents showing how the department is complying with Biden's order. The foundation was particularly interested in the specific plan the department came up with. What was the Department of Justice actually going to do to implement the president's wishes? It said, please provide your agency's strategic plan development pursuant to President Biden Executive Order 14019, outlining ways you identified for your agency to promote voter registration and voter participation. The Justice Department's answer was nothing. So a year passed. The Justice Department did not turn over a single document. 
So the foundation went to court, and as a result, a federal judge ordered the Justice Department to turn over the material. The judge set a deadline of September 8, 2022, just a few days ago. The Justice Department waited until the last day and turned over next to nothing. It sent a batch of emails and a few documents that turned out mostly to be staffers corresponding with each other over who would be present at which meeting. Most importantly, the Department of Justice refused to turn over its strategic plan. None of it. This is what the chief of the Freedom of Information branch of the Civil Rights Division told the foundation, and I quote, After review of the Civil Rights Division documents responsive to your request, the division has identified 15 pages of material representing the strategic plan for the implementation of Executive Order 14019, promoting access to voting. I have determined these materials are to be withheld in full, pursuant to Exemption 5 of FOIA, which pertains to certain inter- and intra-agency records protected by civil discovery privileges. In this instance, the deliberative process and presidential communication privileges. To withhold the plan, then, the Justice Department relied on what has long been called the most abused exemption, Exemption 5 of the Freedom of Information Act. This incredibly large cutout is often called the withhold it because you want to exemption, wrote journalist and FOIA advocate Nate Jones in 2014. According to statistics compiled by the Associated Press, Exemption 5 use is at an all-time high. Even though later reform reduced its use a little, Exemption 5 is still an indispensable tool for administrations seeking to hide what they are doing. So the strategic plan, the document that would give the world some information on what the administration is doing to enact Biden's order, remains a secret. But that's not all. The Justice Department is withholding lots of other information. For example, an April 1, 2021 email from the White House to about 30 officials discussed an interagency policy meeting that would take place on April 9. The email included apparently a list of questions and topics to be discussed. Quote, please note that the questions below and the topics we plan to cover in this meeting relate to the provisions of the executive order applicable to all agencies, the White House wrote. And what were the topics? We don't know. Because the Justice Department blacked them out, citing, again, deliberative process privilege. There was another section apparently listing some suggested reading called read-aheads, and the DOJ blacked that out, too. There was a section titled Agenda. Well, guess what? Justice Department blacked it out. Fast forward to a May 13, 2021 email describing a May 21 meeting. Quote, below please find the agenda for the May 21 interagency meeting, it read. And what was the agenda? It was all blacked out. Deliberative process privilege, they claim. One July 9 email to Pamela Carlin, a Stanford University professor, who was at the time on leave serving as an assistant attorney general in the Civil Rights Division, began, Hi, Pam, I looked at the... And after that, it was all blacked out. Deliberative process privilege. A later email contained 10 full pages, all blacked out. Remember, the main concern of the Foundation for Government Accountability is the Biden administration is using the power of the federal government for partisan political purposes to influence elections. There are also fears the administration might be taking on a federal law in elections that the Constitution gives to the states. 
The American people deserve to know if the Biden administration's unprecedented action is fair and nonpartisan. Over to design to help one political party the over, uh, over the other, said Taryn Bragdon, head of the foundation. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The Department of Justice, the most politicized Department of Justice in American history, is at it again. They are interfering with this election in 2024, or they wouldn't be censoring and covering up all this data, now would they? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17th, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. You know, Mitch McConnell and his sidekick, Rove, have done great damage to the Republicans running for the Senate um, by damaging them in the Republican primaries. The Democrats have spent money to nominate certain Republicans. The Republicans and McConnell, who has most of the money as head of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, he controls it. This is how he gets his power. This is how he gets his votes to be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. The Democrats are trying to nominate certain Republicans, and McConnell's trying to stop certain Republicans. And many of these Republicans have actually won their nominations. And so millions have been spent by McConnell and his ilk to ruin them in the primaries. And now the Democrats, because they've been softened up, may have a better chance at defeating them. But, of course, McConnell and his surrogates have an out. They're going to blame it on Trump. But I want to get into this in more detail when we return. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17th, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. 
When Mark Levin speaks, the backbenchers take notes. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Just the news. Morse concedes defeat to Trump acolyte, Bullduck, in close New Hampshire GOP Senate primary. President Trump didn't endorse anybody in this primary, but the general, the retired general, is a Trump supporter. New Hampshire GOP Senate primary candidate Chuck Morris conceded defeat to rival and Trump supporter Don Bulk, a retired general. The AP headed at 37% to 36%. Um, the Democrat Party supported Bullduck. Mitch McConnell trashed the hell out of Bullduck with monies that they sent into New Hampshire, and this is what I'm talking about. And you can go into a number of states where this took place. And then if the Republican loses, McConnell says that's the fault in 2010 of the Tea Party, because they didn't pick the right candidates, or if they lose now, it'll be the fault of Donald Trump and MAGA, because they didn't pick the right candidates, and of course the Washington and New York media regurgitate this stuff. That's what they do. I think Mitch McConnell is a huge problem for the Republican Party. I really do. They'll point to him in the courts and so forth, but we need more than that. And indeed, we expect the Republican leader to fight what the left does with the courts. But we expect them to do better than this, too. And you'll also notice that the Republican leadership in the Senate has said nothing about what the Department of Justice is doing right now. Nothing. Now, there's a fairly expensive, expensive, extensive piece at CNN about what the Justice Department's doing. So let's pull back a second. There have been many cases in the history of this country when elections have been challenged, they've been challenged in courts, they've been challenged in state legislatures, they've been challenged on the floor of the Congress, on the faithful day where they're counting the votes of electors or challenging the votes of electors or challenging elections in states. This is a political process that is set up by the Constitution. There's literally nothing that empowers the executive branch of the federal government to conduct criminal investigations of this process. Nothing. I often go to Article 2. Check that. I often go to the state legislatures that they have plenary power. Plenary power when it comes to the electoral process under the federal constitution. But the federal constitution does not give the federal executive branch the power to do what it's doing today. And I want all the lawyers, none of whom have spoken to me, but I want all the lawyers to listen as I make a public statement to millions and millions of people, even so the Justice Department can hear this. Because these criminal prosecutors are careerists or leftists. They don't understand the Constitution. 
they're just like, uh, you know, German shepherds chasing baseballs. CNN, Justice Department criminal prosecutors are now examining nearly every aspect of former President Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election, including the fraudulent electors plot, the fraudulent electors plot, CNN, efforts to push baseless election fraud claims and how money flowed to support these various efforts, according to sources and copies of new subpoenas obtained by CNN. So CNN is regurgitating, regurgitating the information that's being given by the federal government. But let's go on. The investigation is also stretching into cogs of the sprawling Trump legal machine that boosted his efforts to challenge his electoral loss, with many of the recipients of 30-plus subpoenas that were issued in recent days being asked to turn over communications with several Trump attorneys. The sweeping effort has many in Trump world concerned about the potential legal significance of being caught up in a federal investigation. Now, let's stop there. You have a United States Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C., conducting a nationwide investigation of Donald Trump's campaign efforts to affect the outcome of the election, to affect what state legislatures were doing, to affect the count of the Electoral College. Unless there's evidence of bribes, or mail fraud or something like that. They, they don't have a authority. The state legislatures have criminal laws in some cases, election laws in some cases, or no laws in some cases that are applicable to these circumstances. There's only state authority for this, not federal authority. That's number one. There's state authority. There's not federal authority to be investigating what took place in wherever, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia. Like it or not, it's like the investigation going on in Georgia now with the uh, phony DA. I challenge what she's doing, but that's not a federal investigation. And there's no federal authority for this. Well, Mark, there's Congress. It doesn't matter. The framers of the Constitution parceled this out to the states. The states and only the states can determine the legitimacy of the electors. That doesn't mean, of course, that Congress can't challenge them and reject them from their perspective, but their little parceled out piece on whether they count them or not. But when it comes to the conduct of legislatures and people dealing with legislatures and who sends what to Congress. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. doesn't have authority just because the Capitol building is in Washington, D.C. and Congress meets in Washington, D.C. That's not what the Constitution says. Listen to me carefully because nobody has said this or explained it. I 
am questioning. I am questioning the authority. The authority for this investigation, if I understand what's being investigated by these leaks to the media, I am questioning the constitutional authority of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. to conduct this investigation, certainly the way it's conducting this investigation, stopping all over attorney-client privilege, stopping all over confidentiality and attorney work product, even putting that ethical issues, those ethical issues aside, where they hide behind the crime-fraud exception, so everything's a potential crime and a fraud, by throwing out a few statutes. The federal obstruction statutes have nothing, nothing to do with this. Nothing. Can you imagine if this position was taken by past presidents? By past U.S. attorneys. We would have had previous investigations. It's left to the political branches in the state, the state legislature, in terms of counting and what's accepted on January 6th. It's left to Congress. It's not left to a U.S. attorney's office, a partisan Biden hack U.S. Attorney's Office to second-guess every decision that's been made by scores of lawyers, scores of their clients, and the former president of the United States when he was president. Now, I know the legal analysts are too damn corrupt to tell the truth. And I know too damn many of them are former federal prosecutors. So they're myopic. They're stuck. They look in one direction. That's it. I am telling you that the framers of your Constitution would never, ever have authorized this kind of power. Not just to the federal government, but what becomes known now as these U.S. attorney's offices, where they would second-guess state legislators, second-guess state legislatures, second-guess the decisions of lawyers working for a campaign, the stopgap in all this isn't the criminal justice system. It is Congress. The flurry of investigative activity, writes CNN, has involved seizure warrants, including one served to Trump counsel Boris Epstein for his phone. According to multiple people familiar with the matter, Epstein remains close to the former president and his political and fundraising operation. The widening pool of recipients of subpoenas also includes prominent Trump deputies, such as his former White House advisor, Dan Scavino, who continued to work for Trump after he left office. The subpoena language and activity bring together the seemingly far-flung parts of the Department of Justice investigation. The department previously obtained grand jury testimony, conducted searches, nabbed extensive documents, about rally organization and fundraising. Ladies and gentlemen, that is protected under the First Amendment. About efforts in and around the White House to pressure then-Vice President Mike Pence to block certification of the election results. They are free to try and pressure Mike Pence. Is there some claim of bribery? And about the fake electors. It's up to Congress to determine if they're fake electors. 
But even before that, it's up to the state legislatures to determine if they're fake electors, not up to the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. The new round of subpoenas drills down with more specific requests about the baseless claims, writes CNN, of mass election fraud that were peddled to legislatures, law enforcement, and others. Really? I thought that happened in 2016, but yet again, this isn't an area for criminal investigation and prosecution. In one of the new subpoenas viewed by CNN, along with demands for communications with a lengthy list of Trump world figures and fake electors, the investigators asked for documents related to the raising and spending of money. Prosecutors are interested in the financing around the January 6th rally, bids to challenge the results, and the Trump-aligned political organization formed after the election to push fraud claims. Are you kidding me? Bids to challenge the results of the election? Trump-aligned political organizations? Money raised? What do they think this is, the mob? Every one of these acts, I would argue, ladies and gentlemen, is a violation of the federal constitution. Every one of them. I don't know if there's a judge smart enough in Washington, D.C. or courageous enough in Washington, D.C. to listen to what I'm saying, but this is shocking. Absolutely shocking. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17th, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. And it goes on in part that's not relevant to our discussion. There is no authority for the feds to get involved in this. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature they may have to It's up to the state legislatures. It's up to them to put in place laws. Many of them have. 29 states have criminal statutes. To deal with electors or to deal with anything in terms of how electors are treated or lobbied or prodded, or whether electors have to be faithful. All of these things are state issues. They're state issues with the state legislature. There's not a single a-hole on TV who's made this point, so I'm making it. 
so if that process is affected by lobbying by a candidate or a secondary group of electors, a.k.a. fake electors or whatever, the state is to deal with that. And they may have state laws that deal with that. Several do. But then when it comes to Congress, when it comes to Congress, Congress has the final say if they're going to count the electors. So the federal executive branch and the U.S. Attorney's Office doesn't intercede and make decisions about who's fundraising, about who's pulling together a, a, uh, uh, a protest, about what the lawyers are saying to each other, about challenges that they're making. This is an unbelievable Stalinist intervention in our constitutional process. It's not Trump who's interfering. It's the U.S. Attorney's Office under Joe Biden. More when I return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. What I'm trying to say is this is much more complicated than the media and even the Department of Justice comprehend. What are the laws that the feds are looking at here, arguably, based on former federal prosecutors speaking to the media, obstruction of a congressional proceeding? Obstruction of a congressional proceeding, or an attempt to, and conspiracy to defraud the United States of a fair election. Now, I want you to think about the precedent that will be set with this. Obstruction of a congressional proceeding. That has never been applied to a situation like this, ever. Mark, there haven't been situations like this, but there have been many situations. We know about 1876 and that presidential election. We know that there have been faithless electors. Were they supposed to be charged with obstructing a congressional proceeding? How about individuals on the floor of the House? Will the U.S. Attorney's Office sit there and just say, they have no reason to challenge the electors that, that voted in Ohio? Is that what's going to happen now? Conspiracy to defraud the United States of a fair election? So if you disagree with litigation tactics, if you disagree with a group organizing a protest, if you disagree with a group pressuring a state legislature, they've all committed federal crimes? Federal crimes? Fake electors? And then, of course, we have people talking about seditious conspiracy. That would be if they can find affirmative acts of Donald Trump 
pushing and promoting and funding violence or force. It's ridiculous. January 6th committee, with all of its work, they haven't found a damn thing. But obstruction and conspiracy. You understand how that can be used against, depending on who's in charge and how it's read, virtually any effort to challenge elections or to send in alternative electors. This Look, there was no U.S. Attorney's Office or offices when this Constitution was put together. There was no Department of Justice. There was no FBI. Is it even conceivable that the framers of the Constitution would have granted such authority to a federal administration, to their bureaucrats, and to their political appointees to investigate this way? No, it's specifically left to the state legislatures. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, yet again, state discretion over electors. Constitution annotated. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. So this is something for the state to manage, specifically the state legislature. That's who's supposed to manage this. And again, they can pass criminal statutes, election laws, whatever they want. But the feds can't suddenly bring in obstruction of a congressional proceeding, a conspiracy to defraud the United States, and then they, they, they have these sweeping subpoenas. Who raised money to hold the protest on January 6th? Why, is that illegal? Who urged them to raise money? Where did the money come from? What are you going to do, round up 10,000 people? So we've gone from people being violent to people trespassing and parading to the lawyers for Donald Trump to the organizations that were involved in organizing this protest to the people who contribute to these organizations and it's getting broader and broader and broader. This is not power that has been granted to the U.S. Attorney. Period. It's not power that belongs to the U.S. Attorney. And in the end, and in the end, the decision maker on how to count the votes is Congress. If Congress thinks that these certain electors are fake, they don't count them. They don't count them. It's that simple. Well, it's trying to obstruct a congressional proceeding. No, it's not. It's conspiracy to defraud the United States. That's not why we have that statute. The states are quite capable. So it's very troubling to me. Very troubling to me. You know, people look at the specific investigation. Yeah, they get him, get him, get him. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is way, way out of control. 
way out of control, in my view, and dangerously so. Because, just think about how this will change forevermore, this process. This process. Here we have from Just the News, DOJ escalates January 6th probe, targets Trump allies ahead of midterms. Andrew Weissman, who is a slimeball, reprobate scumbag, with all due respect, I'm happy to see that more holistic strategy apparently at work. In other words, let's get Trump. The Justice Department's accelerating January 6th investigation has expanded far beyond its original focus on the Capitol breach to target those who questioned the 2020 presidential election, focusing on former President Donald Trump and his associates just two months before Election Day. It's really 56 days before the midterm elections. Unbelievable. As Joe Biden spearheads a political offensive vilifying opposition party leaders and voters alike as threats to democracy. So you can see the propaganda that Biden is using fits perfectly with the tactics that Graves, the U.S. attorney in Washington, is using. And this attorney general who long ago should have recused himself, Meritless Garland. Over the past week, the department has subpoenaed several Trump associates as part of an ongoing probe that critics describe as an intimidation campaign meant to instill fear in Trump supporters. There's no question about this because you don't know where this ends now. All lawyers, all donors, all people who came to the protest. According to the New York Times, about 40 subpoenas have been issued seeking information about the 2020 election and Capitol riot. But more than the Capitol riot, as it's called, it was mostly peaceful, wouldn't you say, America? Among those subpoenaed were top Trump advisors Boris Epstein and Mike Roman, who reportedly had their phones seized as evidence. These iPhones. Think about what's on your iPhone. Think about what's on your iPhone. Think about the Fourth Amendment where the government is supposed to get search warrants with particularity. But think about what's on your iPhone. Probably messages with your loved ones, messages to yourself, links, phone calls. The government's going to go through all of it. All of it. Now imagine your attorney and your client's the former president. Or imagine you have an attorney and you're going through a divorce. You have an attorney, you're going through bankruptcy. You have an attorney representing you in front of the IRS. And all of them can say on the other side, well, crime fraud exception, we get everything. There's no point in having an attorney. Over the past week, the department has subpoenaed Several Trump associates, it's part of an ongoing probe that critics describe as intimidation campaign. Many other Trump aides and confidants close to the 45th president, both in and out of the White House, were also subpoenaed, including Dan Scavino, his former social media director. Social media director? Stephen Miller, Brian Jack, two top White House advisors under Trump, have also been subpoenaed, as has Trump advisor William Russell. 
This is so far out of control. It is unbelievable. Others to be served by federal prosecutors reportedly include Trump 2020 campaign chief officer Sean Dolman, first daughter Ivanka Trump's chief of staff, Julie Radford, among several others. Can you imagine? Many of the subpoenas seek information about plans to block or delay Congress's certification of Biden's victory in 2020 election by submitting slates of electors pledged to Trump from swing states that Biden won. That is up to the states. And then ultimately up to Congress, not up to a U.S. attorney. Other subpoenas relate to a new interest of the government's investigation. Trump's fundraising efforts between the 2020 election and January 6th Capitol breach. Specifically, the government's looking into the Trump-aligned Save America PAC, which was formed soon after Election Day in 2020 and received a wave of donations while pushing Trump's claims that the vote was stolen. All I can say is, so what? You ever get fundraising letters? Since its inception, the PAC has brought in more than $135 million. Here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to freeze Trump in place. They're trying to freeze his supporters in place. They're trying to freeze his, his think tanks, his lawyers, his fundraisers, his activists in place. They're throwing every type of criminal theory out there they possibly can concoct, whether it's Mar-a-Lago or all of this. Now we have this former guy in the Southern District of New York. He's written a book to enrich himself. What's his name? Brahman or something or other? Brahman? Going on that he felt pressured about the Michael Cohen case. Well, we got to open a criminal investigation about that. No, you don't. Oh, yes, we do. Meanwhile, there's Joe Biden sitting there with his multi-millions. The subpoenas came days after Biden attacked Trump and supporters of the Make America Great movement, aligned with him as threats to the country in a polarizing speech delivered in Philadelphia. The timing is not coincidental, according to Trump spokesman Taylor Butterwich. And I agree with this. It should surprise no one that days after Biden declared Trump supporters a threat to democracy, his administration goes after those very same supporters in Save America PAC, which is committed to make America great again. But of which tweeted, Biden is using government to divide and destroy this nation. We have uh, critical critics and legal experts have decried the latest escalation in the government's probe as too wide, a witch hunt. Department of Justice is conducting an unprecedented investigation into the political activities of one of the two major parts, no question, said Mike Colombo, a lawyer representing some of the individuals being investigated by the department. It is zealously including in its expansive dragnet people that range from top government officials, campaign staff, party officials, and attorneys to ordinary citizens. Moreover, it is scrutinizing a range of actions that run from objective acts of violence or vandalism to an individual's subjective political beliefs at the time they engaged in political speech. This case is not going to be so easy, whatever case they're putting together. But they're going to do something, because you can see they're trying to. Colombo, a partner at the Dillon Law Group, (coughs) partner, added that by probing actions protected by the Constitution, such as freedom of speech and assembly, 
The Justice Department will overreach. He said, an investigation of this breadth and intensity into activity at the core of constitutional protections will almost inevitably produce excesses and outrages. The risk is all the more acute because the DOJ's culture and practices reflect a mission typically targeting violent criminal enterprises, terrorists, and fraudsters. And partisan members of Congress desperate to influence votes in the impending election have been goading it to be more aggressive. Just the News has previously reported on growing outcry among legal experts and civil libertarians. Law enforcement seems to be using arrest tactics on Trump supporters that are generally reserved for violent and or fleeing suspects, said Alan Dershowitz at the time. They do not seem justified in many of these cases. He recently told Just the News that Trump critics both in and out of the government are stretching the law in order to get the former president and seem criminally charged as part of the January 6th investigation. The last wave of subpoenas appears to represent a strategic shift for the department, which for months focused on investigating, arresting, and charging protesters. They've arrested nearly 900 people. And amid those arrests, some observers argued the Justice Department had the wrong approach, most notably this Andrew Weissman, scumbag. He criticized the Justice Department for adopting a bottom-up criminal investigation. He called it myopic. And he argued the House Democrat-led committee investigating January 6th has presented evidence that the Department of Justice should transform its probe. And, of course, that's exactly what they're doing. So this is, uh, this is as bad as it gets, America. This is as bad as it gets. That's where I left last night. That's where I begin tonight. This is as bad as it gets. Or is it? Or is it? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an Another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Now, this segment's too short, but this uh, former U.S. attorney dorm has a bombshell. The Federal Bureau of Investigation. You know, folks, what's so depressing to me about all this is this used to be my, my neighborhood. 
when I worked at the Department of Justice. I loved the FBI. I was a favorite among the U.S. attorneys when we would get together a couple of times a year. Now I despise what's going on. And I have, as you know, for years. Despise it. These institutions have been corrupted. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. is like a Stalinist operation. You don't see that Hillary got this kind of treatment or that Joe Biden gets the treatment that he deserves. And the endless investigations of Republicans, Trump, if this isn't dealt with directly by Republicans in Congress, should they take over? And these organizations aren't reformed. I fear for the future of this country. I fear for you. I'll be right back. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an Another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Plastic Conservative Fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. New Durham bombshell. Just the news. FBI paid Russian accused of lying as a confidential informant against Donald Trump. You've had enough of this, haven't you? You're sick and tired of this, aren't you? While they're throwing subpoenas around like rice at a wedding. The prosecutors say Igor Donchenko, the primary source for the discredited steel dossier, was paid by FBI as a confidential human source for three years. Despite prior concerns, he was tied to Russian intelligence services. So the great trick here was to use Russia collusion against Trump, a fake Russian dossier against Trump, while literally using a Russian who's working with Russian spies to get Trump. In a bombshell revelation, Special Prosecutor John Dorham revealed in court filings that the FBI paid a Russian businessman as a confidential human source in the investigation of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign, even though it had prior concerns that businessman was tied to Moscow's intelligence services. You know, I say to myself, poor Donald Trump. So his campaign was investigated in 2016. 
His organization was investigated in 2016. He was investigated, and here we are again. Here we are again. The FBI and DOJ as an institution have not given up. They just won't stop. They won't stop. They are tyrannical. Tyrannical. Dorham persuaded the federal judge in the upcoming trial of Igor Danchenko to unseal a motion, revealing that Danchenko, the primary source of the now discredited Steele dossier, was paid by the FBI as a confidential human source for more than three years until the fall of 2020 when he was terminated for lying to agents. And by the way, the problem Dorham has is he has to bring these cases in Washington, D.C., the strength the corrupt FBI and DOJ have is they get to bring their cases in Washington, D.C. too, where they know Donald Trump is hated more than anywhere else. Danchenko is charged with five counts of lying to the FBI during that relationship and faces trial next month in federal court in Virginia suburbs of Washington. Well, the suburbs anyway. In March 2017, the FBI signed the defendant up as a paid, confidential human source of the FBI. Dorham's unsealed court filing disclosed for the first time. The FBI terminated its source relationship with the defendant in October 2020. As alleged in further detail below, said the document, the defendant lied to FBI agents during several of these interviews. Now, this means that the FBI first hired the former M16 agent Christopher Steele, the author of Hillary Clinton-funded dossier, as a human source in November 2016 for having unauthorized contacts with the news media. And it then turned around a few months later and hired Steele's primary informer to work with the Bureau, even after determining that some of Danchenko's statements in the Steele dossier were uncorroborated or exaggerated. You got that? So they get rid of Steele, but they hire his right-hand man even though he knew he was untrustworthy. But even more stunning, Dorm confirmed that the FBI had concerns about his ties to Russian intelligence a decade earlier, opening up a counterintelligence probe on him after learning he was trying to buy classified information from the Obama administration. So here they have this guy who they're trying to use to take out Trump. Then they find out he's trying to buy classified information from the very Obama administration he's working for because of his ties to Russian intelligence. That's your Federal Bureau of Investigation. That's your Department of Justice. As has been publicly reported, the defendant was the subject of an FBI counterintelligence investigation from 2009 to 2011, Dorham wrote. In late 2008, while the defendant was employed by a prominent think tank in Washington, the defendant engaged two fellow employees about whether one of the employees might be willing or able in the future to provide classified information in exchange for money. According to employee one, the defendant believed that he, employee one, might be in a position to enter the incoming Obama administration and have access to classified information. And during this exchange, the defendant informed employee one that he had access to people who'd be willing to pay money in exchange for classified information. Employee one passed this information to a U.S. government contact, and the information was subsequently passed to the FBI. 
Based on this information, the FBI initiated a preliminary investigation into the defendant. The FBI converted its investigation into a full investigation after learning the defendant had been identified as an associate of two FBI counterintelligence subjects and had previous contact with the Russian embassy and known Russian intelligence officers. Do you understand this? So the FBI brings this guy in to get Trump. The guy is, he's a spook, basically, for the Russians. He's trying to sell information, or trying to buy it, from the Obama administration. While he's working for the Obama administration. Before the FBI hired Danchenko as a confidential human source, it detected more troubling behavior. During his January 2017 interview with the FBI, the defendant initially denied having any contact with Russian intelligence or security services, but later he contradicted himself and stated he had contact with two individuals who he believed to be connected to those services. Prosecutors will provide evidence that Danchenko never received such information and plan to introduce uh, testimony that members of the Moscow hotel staff never made any claims about Trump's behavior, such as those the Steele dossier attributed to him. So the FBI used the Steele dossier, Comey used the Steele dossier, the media used the Steele dossier. The FBI knew it was being lied to, it knew the information was false, so they, they give the axe to Christopher Steele. Then they bring in his stooge, who has ties to Russian intelligence. So desperate are they to take out Trump, quite frankly. That is the Federal Bureau of uh, Instigation. And uh, now they're prosecuting the man. That is Durham is. Oh boy, folks. Tell you what. I mean, I want you to think about Trump for a minute. It does, I don't care if you like his personality, his attitude, his choice. Just think about a guy who's a billionaire, decides he's going to run for president, and from the moment he comes out of the gate, elements of the federal government, federal law enforcement is trying to destroy him. From the very moments he comes out of the gate, his campaign the presidential transition, his presidency, now back in the private sector. They haven't been able to get him, but now they figure we're going to get him. Throw every damn thing you can think of at this guy. And so out comes the former U.S. attorney in the Southern District with his book. All right, let's open that investigation. Then January 6th, this man shouldn't be anywhere near the Capitol, but that committee wasn't going well. So the U.S. Attorney's Office flops out dozens and dozens of subpoenas covering everybody and everything in any group as they keep looking and looking and looking. And you understand the Attorney General of the United States is overseeing all of it. And of course, prior to that, they even raid the man's home in Mar-a-Lago over documents. The Justice Department leaking, at least in general, the contents of one of the most important documents, didn't leak out of Mar-a-Lago, didn't leak from 
Trump's people leaked from the prosecution. They're stomping all over the Fourth Amendment. They're stomping all over the First Amendment. They're stomping all over due process. They're stomping all over attorney-client privilege. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This time, we're going to get them. We'll get them for good. We'll get everybody around them. We're going to freeze them in place. We're going to go after the money that his PAC has raised. We're going to go after the people that were in his campaign, that run his PAC, his lawyers, his supporters, Mr. Pillow. We don't care. Then they have this side group, the 65 group or whatever it's called, filing ethics complaints against the lawyers, trying to get them all disbarred. Why? So there's never any donors, so there's never any lawyers willing to step up. Just destroy them, isolate them, surround them, leak, leak. And then they call you semi-fascists and white supremacists and threats to democracy. They call you these things. Pretty damn sick. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an Another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Golden State study finds by John Anderer. Golden State is losing its luster. Troubling new report labels physical and sexual violence in pandemic era California a statewide epidemic. To put it simply, violence is on an alarming rise. And the gall of this dirtbag. Gavin Newsom to be reaching into Florida as if he has some appeal outside of California because apparently there's enough voters in California who think that violence and sex crimes are okay. Not you rock rib conservatives and Republicans. I'm not talking to you, but apparently a majority in the state. According to the new annual report from the California Study on Violence Experiences Across the Lifespan, woo, violence statistics have seen a significant increase since COVID-19 emerged. It's not just COVID-19. It's the, joy, the uh, George Floyd riots, BLM, and the rest. 
the report conducted by scientists at the University of California San Diego School of Medicine reports more than one in six Californians, that's 18%, ready for this? 18% of Californians have experienced either physical or sexual violence in just the past year. 18%! Meanwhile, one in every 25 Californians experienced intimate partner violence. Overall rates of both physical and sexual violence have been have seen an uptick since the COVID-19 pandemic, Again, since the 2020 riots, I would argue, with physical violence nearly doubling among men between 2020 and 2022. Well, what happened in the summer of 2020, Mr. Producer? Yes, the war on the cops. It's funny how a report coming out of a university in California doesn't get that. Study authors say demographic disparities in the results may provide further insight into potential contributing factors. They could be exacerbating during the pandemic. Oh, really? Like what? Californians are experiencing violence at epidemic proportions, says principal investigator Anita Raj, Ph.D. professor, University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. Current violence prevention efforts are clearly woefully inadequate and often ignore the gendered nature of violence, its intersections with our social economic vulnerabilities, and its disproportionate effects on marginalized populations. As long as you get bull crap like that, it'll never be fixed. It'll never be fixed. As long as you come up with the kind of the kind of mentality intersections with other socioeconomic vulnerability. You have poverty in poor areas. You have horrific cases of black-on-black crime, not exclusively, but we know. We know from a statistical... Don't look at me. Look at the FBI. A statistical percentage that young black men are killing young black men. And there's not enough strong manly men standing up to this and pointing it out and say of Anita Raj PhD the current violence prevention efforts are clearly woefully inadequate okay well what do we need we need cops we need prisons we need prison guards we need serious judges no more Soros prosecutors there I fixed it I'll be right back In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program, and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time. So check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Most of you have heard of Mr. Pillow. Mr. Pillow. Not by coincidence, he sells pillows. And sheets, towels, slippers. Now Mr. Coffee. Actually, my pillow. My coffee. My pillow was subjected to a search warrant the other day. There he was driving in the Hardee's. We don't have any Hardee's where I live, but I like Hardee's. Those of us who are fast food aficionados. And I want you to hear from his own lips what was done to him by the FBI and by the Biden administration. Mr. My Pillow. My Pillow. Cut six, go. And we go through a Hardee's drive through. We pull around the back and we're just about going through. We pull through the drive through. They take the order. We pull up and she says, pull ahead, you know, because they had to make the order. The order wasn't done. We pull ahead and a car comes perpendicular and parks like a little ways in front of us. And I and I've been around the block and I said to my buddy, I said, um, that's either a bad guy or it's it's FBI. I, I said that straight up. I said, it's either FBI or it's a bad guy. And not to say that some FBI guys can't be bad guys, right? Um, luckily, it wasn't a bad FBI guy, right? The, uh, then another car at the same time pulls up and pins us in here to our right side. Now, remember, I got the wall to the left, and I'm just past the order thing where I can only get out about three feet. And then another guy comes flying up for his order, but he wasn't getting an order, Brandon. He was pinning in the back of the car, right? And these aren't the what you think of like you know, Secret Service cars or something. They were all different models and, oh, they're all undercover, you know. And anyway, so I don't know. I open my door and I say, um, who are you? And he, and, uh, you know, and uh, he says, uh, we're FBI. I said, show me your badges. So they show one badge. I said, how about yours? You know, I'm, I, you know, cause I don't trust anybody. Like, you know, there's bad people. Well, they do that. And I said, what do you want? And, I, and uh, he says, we need to talk to you. So I pull over and uh, pull over and he starts asking questions. I said, I want to see some more ID. So they show me some more badges, right? I'm looking at them. I don't, you know, how are you going to know a fake badge from a real one? You know, whatever. But anyway, I said, uh, I said, are you going to, um, we start talking and they're asking me questions about Colorado. And uh, I said, you know, you guys, I said, are you going to arrest me? I said, I've been asking for you guys. This will make international, this will make national news. And they go, no, no, we're not going to arrest you. I'm going, well, then what do you want? And they go, we're going to ask you some questions. Mm-hmm. They want to ask him some questions and they take his iPhone. They take his iPhone. And Don Lemon over at CNN thinks this is very funny. Cut seven, go. Did you say a Hardee's? I said, I said a Hardee's. Apparently he was at a Hardee's, and that is where the FBI <laughs> confronted him about needing to search his phone. 
<laughs> it's a very interesting detail. Was he inside or at the drive-thru? I'm kidding. I, I believe so, he was at the drive-thru. Sarah Murray. I don't know who she is. Some phony journalist, I'm sure. It's very funny, isn't it, America? For some people, being abused by the FBI and the, the system is funny. For others, it's not so funny. It's not so funny. It's open season. This is pretty sick. In fact, it's very sick. And the media are pushing this. The media are pushing this. As I move on here, the Daily Wire, this guy Fetterman, if he gets elected to the Senate, then an orange juice can can get elected to the Senate. I'm not kidding. Fetterman mocked Dr. Oz for owning 10 properties. Turns out Fetterman owns eight properties, but didn't disclose them by Ben Zisloft. Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor and Democratic Senate nominee John Fetterman didn't mention his eight properties on federal financial disclosures, even though he has repeatedly mocked Republican rival Dr. Mehmet Oz for owning multiple real estate holdings, according to a Tuesday release from the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust. Candidates are required to submit a financial statement that provides a full and complete statement of their assets, debts, and income, as well as any position held. For any assets, candidates must report the complete identity and category of value of any interest in property with a fair market value exceeding $1,000 as of the close of the reporting period. The group determined from county court records, Fetterman owns eight properties in Braddock, Pennsylvania, where he served as mayor from 06 to 2019. None of the properties appeared on his disclosure documents. None of them. Though many of the properties worth a combined $108,000 are empty lots worth between ten and 20000 one of the holdings was a building structure worth about 40000 according to the report from the Daily Mail. These properties don't produce any income. They're not investment properties. So John didn't need to disclose them, his spokesman said. But it's not true. Here's all these properties should have been disclosed on Mr. Fediman's personal finances said uh, the executive director of the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust, Kendra Arnold. Candidates are well aware of their obligation to comply. Fetterman and his campaign have nevertheless mocked Ox, uh, uh, Oz because Oz is successful. By the way, who the hell do these Marxists think are going to pay for redistribution of wealth if we don't have any successful people left in the country? Who's left to do it, Mr. Producer? Nobody. And by the way, the definition of rich and super rich gets lower and lower and lower. A millionaire is now a couple that earns $400,000. And trust me, soon it'll be you. It'll be you. Oh, the Department of Defense, the DIEI education officers, a lengthy history of anti-white racism. I'm sure she put that on her resume, and that's why she was hired. The chief officer of diversity, equity, and inclusion at the education wing of the Department of Defense has recently come under fire after Fox News uncovered a trail, social media posts, and children's books that disparage white people. I don't know why she's not a host on MSNBC. Kalisa Wing. Kalisa Wing, a self-described woke administrator who oversees the K-12 curriculum offered the Department of Defense dependents 
allegedly wrote a series of anti-white messages in various social media fora dating back to at least June 2020. I'm so exhausted at these white folks, F-O-L-X, in these professional development sessions, she wrote. This lady actually had the caudacity, in other words, Caucasian, to say that black people can be racist, too, she posted. I had to stop the session to give Karen the business. We're not the majority. We don't have power. Caudacity, meaning caucus, a combination of caucasm and audacity, is a racially charged term used to express frustration about white people and their supposedly shameless displays of privilege and racism, according to Dictionary.com. Wing's other anti-white posts on Twitter and elsewhere include, being anti-racist means being active against racism. You will never arrive. Stop centering this on whiteness. I'm exhausted by 99% of the white men in education and 95% of the white women. Where can I get a break from white nonsense for a while? Racism is ingrained in every fabric of our country. She also co-authored several children's books with anti-white themes, but packaged as anti-racism. Now, if she was hired to fill this position during the Biden administration, it's a political position. The DEI education officer for these K-12 through students. This is going on at the Department of Defense, for God's sakes. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, folks, I don't know Gianna Caldwell. I've talked to him once or twice, I believe. Uh, I certainly know of him. He is a uh, solid American patriot. He's been for a long time. And, uh, you know, he uh, his, his younger brother was murdered. And I didn't feel like I could just contact him. Um and just start discussing it with him until I could see that he was more comfortable to discuss it and has because he wants the perpetrators, the killers brought to justice. And so I asked Mr. Producer to reach out to him so we can do our part to help. And Gianna Caldwell, I've always been a big fan of yours from afar, and I'm sure this has been more than horrific to you and to your family, but welcome to the program nonetheless. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. And I've been a big fan of yours for many years. Your, your writing, uh, radio show. I mean, you're one of the greats and one of the giants in the conservative movement. So I really thank you. Well, it's my honor, Gianno. And uh, tell us what happened, how you lost your brother. Well, on June 24th, I received a call that completely and totally changed my life. I was told that my baby brother Christian was murdered on the south side of Chicago, specifically at 114th South Vincent Street in Chicago on a Friday morning. And what I learned from the detective is my baby brother wasn't the target. He just happened to be standing next to the person. And multiple people were shot that day as they were trying to target a specific person who ended up living and having had multiple surgeries week after the incident. So from that point, 
I didn't know if I was going to uh, post it ever and let the public know what was going on. I, of course, told Fox News, my employer, that, that afternoon what had, what had happened. But then it hit me. I couldn't sleep. I tossed and turned the whole night. That if I want these people to be captured, if I want these people to be arrested and brought to justice, that I need to let everyone know right away. So that Saturday morning, I posted at 7 a.m. when it happened. And about 15 minutes later, Fox News Channel had an article up, and then an hour they had a reporter on it. And that's when I started really a media tour to make sure people were aware that was or what has happened. So the people who did this could be brought to justice. Now I'm going to tell you, someone who's a dear friend and brother of yours, who's been an enormous help to me, Sean Hannity is an absolute godsend from heaven. I'm just going to let you know that right now. I've been on his show, his, his TV show multiple times, his radio show multiple times but I never had a personal relationship with him. And when this happened, he reached out to me and we talked and we've been talking ever since then. We'll talk uh, multiple times a week. And he's like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on with the investigation? How's your family? And just a sincere, great, amazing patriot. And I'm so thankful. He put me in touch with John Walsh, which we know is one of the, the greats in finding criminals America's most wanted. We did a public service announcement about the situation with my brother. Fox News Channel has been amazing. Susan and Scott and many, many others who allowed me to go on basically a tour so people can know what's going on. And since then, June 24th, we've been fighting for justice for my baby brother to ensure that the men who did this are brought to justice, but it couldn't have happened with without all the wonderful people who happened to be a part of the conservative movement, but just people who love human, who believe life has value, people who believe in patriotism and helping your, your neighbor. So I couldn't have done this without the greats like you, Sean Hannity, and many others. So I'm so thankful as I continue this fight uh, for justice, my baby brother Christian. Well, you know, uh, it's hard turn to help here on this program. It's a big program. <clears throat> I'm a big fan. I'm sick and tired of seeing this stuff, too. It's just gotten so completely out of control. And there are real human beings, not just statistics. When we talk about all the murders every weekend or during the week in Chicago and Philadelphia and here and there, and people just move on. They keep playing politics. They keep playing race games. These phony mayors who keep undermining their own cops. That's right. And and this is the reality. That people like you suffer like hell. You lose little brothers. And people lose mothers and fathers and babies and on and on and on every damn day. It's a war zone. And it's only getting worse it's when you undermine the worse. cops. Now here's That's my right. question. Do they have any leads whatsoever? Well, I've gotten some, some tips in, and I'm going to be honest. Um, I think one of the tips has uh, really shed some light on um, uh, a person that they were looking at. But um, being in Chicago and having to deal with people like Tim Fox, who. Hold on, we're, you're breaking up. I hope we don't lose you, which happens a lot on this show. You've gotten one tip that seems 
decent, you say? It seems promising, yeah. but you got other partners in the government that you have to work with. People like Kim Fox, mm-hmm. who I'm going to be honest, I don't trust. I don't mm-hmm. believe that she enforces the law equally. We all remember Jesse Smollett. Um, yeah. And I'm very, very concerned about what's going on in the city of Chicago and the people who are actually leaders who are supposed to enforce the law who don't. So I'm a bit concerned about that, but I'll tell you, there's even, my, my consideration is there's, there's more people who based on laws that are being enacted on January 1st, it's a new law that's called the safety act, S A F E T act. This particular law eliminates cash bail for the entire state. Mm-hmm. So things like second degree murder, kidnapping, arson, burglary, disaster, m- Many other things. So if people are familiar with the movie The Purge, where for an evening people get out, it's a movie that they get out and they're able to murder people and there's no consequence, no repercussions to breaking that law. This is what we got coming to Illinois on January 1st. So this is now becoming an even greater threat to the city of... We just lost him, Mr. Producer. We, it happens every time. I can't explain it, America. I think I can, but I can't prove it. We are going to have uh, Gianno Caldwell back after the break. <clears throat> what I want to do is help him. We're heard in Chicago. Some nights we're heard five hours in Chicago. Um, somebody knows who murdered his little brother. Somebody knows who did it. Somebody may have a lead. We want to do everything we can to help them. And that's the, that's the power of this format. Talk radio. And so I want to get a few more details. Get it out to you, Mr. and Mrs. America. Particularly you folks listening to us in the Chicago area, of which there are many. Let's see if we can't do something here. We will get... Gianna Caldwell back. It was the witching minute at about 8.28 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. 
By the way, Gianna Caldwell is the author of a great book, Taking for Granted. You can get it on Amazon.com. I encourage you to get it. I, I really want us to try and help you, Gianna. So I want to go over the best you can the facts we have again. How old was your brother? My brother just turned 18 this year. He was And exactly uh, where about. did he Exactly where was he shot again? A 114th Street South Vincennes on the south side of Chicago. It borders a, a suburb called Blue Island and a neighborhood called Beverly. And it was a relatively safe area at one particular time. This was about three blocks from where he lived. Uh, you know, in Beverly, as an example, they have a lot of police officers, police officers, Chicago police officers that live there, firefighters, good, hardworking people. And who would have imagined that something so tragic could happen in that particular area? But in the city of Chicago, which is up about 36 percent in overall violent crime, um, you have a mayor who's demoralized the police department. They need about a thousand new detectives in order to work a lot of these homicides that are coming out. Police officers are resigning at very, very high rates. They're retiring or leaving because they know they have a mayor that doesn't support them or could just give a a damn about them. And then you got a a county prosecutor by the name of Kip Fox who Mm -hmm. will get cases from the Chicago police, good cases that they can be fully prosecuted, who won't do her job. She's undercharging cases so i'm just going to be honest with you mark i don't have a lot of hope um and the system in place there because the people there that are are working there are more concerned about justice for the criminal than they are for the victim Uh and i've literally walked on eggshells when this first happened in terms of addressing the mayor and the county prosecutor until i realized some of the things that were going on because i didn't want them to say oh well, you know, this guy works at Fox News. We're not going to really try to go right. capture the people who, you know, that that kind of thing. But uh, I'm, I'm telling you, the things that are going on in the city of Chicago right now in the state of Illinois are not right. They're not godly. Now, tell people. us again, what day was he shot? Yes, June 24th. What time? This was This was in the morning of June 24th. Now, uh, Levinites were on WLS, were on stations around the Chicago area. You've gotten the date, you've gotten the time. If you know anybody in this area, or you know firsthand anything about this, you got to step up. Uh, what other details do you have? Do you have any other details you can share with us? I do, I do. There were between three to four black males with dreads that came out of a black SUV and they began firing. According to the local police, there were about 50 shell casings found at the scene. Jeez. And they were targeting the somebody next to your brother, correct? Correct. They were targeting someone next to my brother. He was not the target. Do we know why? Well, there's details out there that not necessarily been reported, but apparently this particular individual owed some folks some money. He ran off to California, came back uh, to Chicago in four days in Chicago. This is when it happened. So he only had been back in the city for four days before they caught up with him. Mm, so it might be drugs. We don't know. but uh... Yeah, we have no idea. 
All right. That's more information than we had. So if people listening to this program in and around Chicago, if you know anything or you think you might know something or something rings a bell, uh, do contact the detectives uh, if you can. uh, And I have a number for the detectives. Go right ahead. Um, If if I may, you can call Area 2 Police Department at 312-747-8271. Again, that's 312-747-8271. And if you may not want to reach out to the police, you can reach out to me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Giano Caldwell, G-I-A-N-N-O, Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. Again, it's at Giano Caldwell, G-I-A-N-N-O, Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. What was your brother's name? Christian, Christian Beeman. Can you spell the last name? B-E-A-M-O-N. I just want to make sure everybody's got the details. We got a we got a huge audience here. I know. I want to make make sure everybody's alert, particularly our brothers and sisters in and around WLS country and the suburbs. There, you heard his description of the uh, killers, what kind of vehicle they had, and you know his brother's name, you know his brother's age, you know the exact location, you know the day, you know the time of the day, and that's what we've got. And. I want to thank you for having the courage to do what you're doing because a lot of people would just, and I don't blame them, would roll up into a uh, fetal position. That'd be the end of it. So uh, you're obviously a fighter. I bet your brother was a fighter. Your family's fighting back. You've been a big believer in this country. And uh, we have a lot of people who've let us down. We really have. The basic issue in this country is to keep people safe so they can live a life, be free. And we got mayor after mayor after mayor in these cities who's doing the opposite. I don't know why they think it's politically beneficial, but that's what they're doing. Any final thoughts? Well, I mean, a a lot of people were under the false narrative after George Floyd did uh, police reform meant letting criminals have their way. They believe that criminal justice reform was justice for the criminal, and that should never be the case, but that's where we've been in this country, and it needs to come to an end. And it's going to take strong people to stand up and say enough is enough, whether that be folks in the suburbs, the inner cities, whether it be African-Americans speaking up against the Democratic Party for the travesty of laws that they've enacted that made their citizens black and brown people, white people, whatever the case, Asians, whoever, made everyone more unsafe. These laws need to come to an end. We need to make sure that the criminals are prosecuted and they're held. It shouldn't be a no-bell state, but that's the direction that they've been going in. And we're seeing scores of people who are being murdered in the streets. There's no value for human life in places like Chicago and others. That needs to change immediately. It's frightening. The whole state is going to be no bail, which means recidivists, the worst of the worst. They go in the front door and out the back. It's just unbelievable that a state would go for this. Well, Gianna Caldwell, I want to thank you very, very much. And maybe in a month or so, I'd like to have you back. Give us an update. If there's no update, then we'll continue to press the case. 
and I want to wish you and your family the best. I know it. Unless you experience something like Thank this. Thank you so much, hard. Mark. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Well, God bless you. Very sad. Very, very sad. I've been thinking about this for quite a time. I, As I say, you know, and I didn't want to be a bull in a china shop, but if we can help him, I'd love, I'd love to help him. He's obviously a very, very kind and decent man. And nobody should lose a family member like that, period. You know, there was a big case in front of the Supreme Court today. I bet you haven't heard about it. Do you know how many of those attacks on Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn and so forth have been prosecuted, Mr. Producer? Zero. Zero. Have you heard anything from the Anti-Defamation League? I haven't. Have you heard anything from the New York Times? I haven't. Have you heard anything on CNN or MSNBC? I haven't. Do you know more Jews have been beaten and brutalized in New York in the last year than on January 6th that people were beaten and brutalized? Are you aware of that, Mr. Medusa? Not a single person has been prosecuted. That's what I read. If I'm wrong, correct me. And you've seen Orthodox Jews. There's different types of Jews and practices, even among the Orthodox. But many of them stand out, right? with the clothes that they wear and their hats and their hair and their beards, and so they're easy targets for the anti-Semites. Who's attacking them? Who's attacking them in New York? The Klan? No. Not that they wouldn't love to. The neo-Nazis? No, not that they wouldn't love to. They're being attacked by Immigrants from the Middle East, they're being attacked by other minorities. That's who's attacking them. That's why it gets no attention. It, des- it destroys the narrative. That's why the New York slimes and the likes of Maggot Haberman will never cover a story like this. That's why the Washington Co- Compost and the likes of Philly Bump will never cover anything like this. That's why the ownership of the New York slimes... And their management, the ownership of the Washington Compost and their management will never direct a single editor to even look at this. Where are the editorials? There aren't any. There aren't any. And then there's this. Shannon Bream, who has her new Sunday show, but she's a fantastic lawyer, too. The Supreme Court declines to block a New York court's decision that directs Yeshiva University, a Jewish university, to grant full recognition to an LGBTQ plus club on campus. The university has argued that they shouldn't have to on religious grounds. They say, they say we don't discriminate against our students, but we can't have a formal club that goes against our faith. For now, the Supreme Court tells the school, too bad. You need to seek relief first in the state courts. And if you have a problem later, 
Come back. By all means, our doors are wide open. They said the application is denied because it appears that applicants have at least two further avenues for expedited or interim state court relief. The great Justice Alito, who will not be intimidated, wrote the dissent, joined by Justices Thomas, Gorsuch, and Barrett. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. Does the First Amendment permit a state to force a Jewish school to instruct its students in accordance with an interpretation of the Torah that the school, after careful study, has concluded is incorrect? The answer to that question is surely no. The First Amendment guarantees the right to the free exercise of religion. And if that provision means anything, it prohibits a state from enforcing its own preferred interpretation of Holy Scriptures. I doubt that yeshiva's return to state court will be fruitful, and I see no reason why we should not grant a stay at this time. It is our duty to stand up for the Constitution, even when doing so is controversial, because they know who will rise up and complain. Alito was joined by Thomas, Gorsuch, and Barrett. What happened to the great Kavanaugh? And, of course, the Chief Justice, Hollywood John. Where were they? We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. How much time, Mr. Producer? All right, I just want to give a hat tip to America's governor. This is another man who keeps his promises, which is why the media hate him, second to Donald Trump. Fox News, Ron DeSantis sends two planes of illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. This is perfect. I'm sure they were welcomed with open arms by Barack Melhouse, Benito Obama, and Mrs. Barack Melhouse, Benito Obama, and no doubt the Kennedys. They all welcomed him with open arms. Governor Ron DeSantis followed through on his promise to drop off illegal immigrants in progressive states, sending two planes full of migrants to Martha's Vineyard today. A video DeSantis' office provided to Fox News Digital shows the migrants deboarding the planes at Martha's Vineyard Airport in Massachusetts. Yes, Florida can confirm the two planes with illegal immigrants that arrived at Martha's Vineyard today were part of the state's relocation program to transport illegal immigrants to sanctuary destinations, said the governor's communications director, Tarn Fenske. States like Massachusetts, New York, California, will better facilitate the care of these individuals who they have invited into our country by incentivizing illegal immigration through their destination as sanctuary states and support for the Biden administration's open border policies. I do want to make a proposal. Rehoboth Beach. Rehoboth Beach. Perfect. Even though Joe Biden built a wall there. These folks are very industrious. Have you noticed, Mr. Producer? They know how to climb these walls. And since we paid half a million dollars for the walls, I think right there, right on that street, right in front of the Biden Chinese-built compound. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. We salute our truckers, 
We salute the men and women in Ukraine and Taiwan. And I pray for this country. 